Hello, Judy. Hello, Richard. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I, um, you know, it may seem unusual that today that we are opening without any opening music. Mm -hmm. uh, but in lieu, I, I felt that uh, it's a very uh, strange day in our nation once again, because once again, for those who may or may not know, uh, there was yet another school shooting. And I was thinking about this. We have two incredible guests that are waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to put a pall over our show tonight because they have wonderful gifts to bring to the show. Mm -hmm. um, but something that we all grapple with in this country is this idea that the show must go on. Mm -hmm. And you and I, uh, very interestingly, uh, we normally don't do shows on Mondays. Right, we're uh, Thursday people. We are Thursday people. Uh, and because of my scheduling this week and someone that had scheduled the show a while ago, we moved our show to today and then this happened. And I thought that it, there's everything happens for a reason. Uh, and I thought that it was uh, appropriate that you be here with me, especially today, uh, because um, I am very much an empath. And this really hit me hard today. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a dental appointment this afternoon and they call me uh, Mr. Sunshine when I walk in because I'm always smiling, dental mm -hmm. appointment, there I am. Uh, <laughs> but I walked in and they said, something's really bothering you today. Uh, they could tell. And I said, well, have you seen the news? And of course they had not. Right. And uh, well, I broke the news as I did with you. You weren't aware were. mm -hmm. of the news today. And um uh, the fact that, again, it was a 28-year-old woman who went into a school, shot three uh, adults, three children that are dead. I don't know if there are any others that were wounded. Uh, and then the police, when they were brought in, she was killed as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, here we are. And I just thought I'd like to bring both of our guests on today, and I'd like to have a discussion about the work that we're in. One of our guests also, I've had the incredible pleasure of appearing with both of these men. John O'Neill, uh, first of all, let me introduce him. John O'Neill is an amazing uh, entertainer. He is an amazing uh, entrepreneur. Um, he has an incredible show that I have one of his CDs um, celebrating the music of Danny Kay. It's one of my favorite CDs. It's uh, uploaded, downloaded, whatever you want to call it. And it pops up all the time in my musical mix uh, on my device, which is unplugged. So I can mention the name. It's not going to go off. Um, but I listen to John all the time. And then Joe... Uh, appears, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there he is in front of his red carpet. Uh, he appears as Joan Rivers, uh, and he is keeping her very much alive. Uh, and of course, we loved him. And Joe and I, I wear this star around my neck. Joe was with me, and my husband Danny brought this for yes. me. And Santorini, yes. because Joe yes. and I were appearing together on the Windstar cruise ship. Uh, he right. was appearing as Joan Rivers, and I was appearing as Carol Channing. Yes. Um, yes. And so here we are in this world where the world of drag is something that 
is mm. triggering a mm. lot with a lot of people right now. Um, that is a, and maybe trigger is not the right word to use, uh, but it is really setting people off in a way that the gun violence mm-hmm. in schools is not. So I know that this was not what we were going to talk about today, but John, I want to begin with you in this issue of the idea of the show must go on and how that resonates with you and your thoughts about where we are in the world. And when things do happen, you know, we've gone through 9-11 and other instances. What's your approach to how this and how you as an artist or as a producer feel that it needs to be addressed? I think, uh, well, first of all, I want to extend my deepest sympathy to the families and the children um, and to all of America right now who is suffering with this news as we do with uh, daily, it seems. Um, It's breaking my heart today. But to answer your question, um, the show does need to go on because people need to be with each other. They need to be with with community. Last night I presented a wonderful uh, entertainer and it was the first time that many members of the theater community had seen each other since COVID. And that opportunity to just come in and hug each other and say that and tell each other that we missed you so much and we do need to go on. We need to rebuild our community. We We need to rebuild all of the places that host us. And and we need to be strong against all of these things, particularly the shooting that happened again today. Mm -hmm. And Joe, what is your take on this? Yeah, well, uh, you know, my condolences as well to those that were killed, injured, the families, this country, it's it's tough out there. And um, I, as a Joan Rivers impersonator, I feel to me, the show goes on because I make people laugh. So I hit the stage and I, you know, that's what I do. I, I, I make people laugh. And that's, I feel is a great medicine for people. I, people leave, uh, you know, I do a meet and greet afterward and they like, I haven't laughed that long. And since, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I can't remember. So mm-hmm. for me, that's what I bring, especially with Joan Rivers, I do comedy. And, and so, so that's healing for people. So that's what I'm doing. I'm busy doing that all over the country and traveling. So, um, and when I'm not on stage, we use our voices, right? We have conversations with people uh, that don't understand. We try to, uh, you know, enlighten people, be our, you know, use our voices in whatever way we we can. But me as an artist, that's what I do, right? I, I show goes on for me as a, as a comedian. And I think it's so important. Uh, and again, audiences come up to me and, and just are thankful. They laugh like they've never laughed mm-hmm. uh, in their mm-hmm. lives or, or, or of late. So uh, I focus on that. That's what I can bring and, and do for people, you know? So. Yeah, but I think people are able to compartmentalize too, you know, so that they can, they can both acknowledge tragedy in our lives and at the right. same time have room for other experiences and love you know yes you know i think that that's a natural uh adaptive quality mm-hmm. 
have. You, you know, to add to that, I, I watch a lot of uh, interesting interviews with Joan. You know, I do a lot of research to kind of get her essence and, you know, f find her comedy, find her when she's not being funny because she was very brassy uh, on stage, but classy mm -hmm. off stage. And mm -hmm. she was empathetic. You mentioned being empathetic and compassionate. I feel I have those qualities and that's what I bring that makes her really truthful is because that's who she was. Mm -hmm. But um, it was it. My point is there was an interview of her saying, um, um, yeah, I like, like you said, uh, uh, Judy. Yeah. I could be angry. I hate my husband killed himself. I hate him. I hate him, but I'm still having a good day. Let's do the work. Let's let's write that show. Let's do that. But I still hate my husband. I'm still angry. I'm still, but mm -hmm. let's do this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's again, we can do other things and deep. What's the word? I'm getting so excited. Yes, that uh, we can. As, as, uh, so that's true, and she knew that, and that's what she did. So you know, Joe. You know, it's very interesting. You know, for years when I was performing as Carol, uh, you know, there was always. I mean, she lived to be, you know, almost ninety nine. Right. Um, right. But I stopped performing long before she reached that age. Um, right. And unfortunately with Joan Rivers, and I actually was with Joan Rivers the week before she passed away. Wow. And her wow. passing was so sudden and right. uh, out of left field. Right. Uh, it was such a tragic ending. Right. Um, right. How long for you did you feel that th there was the appropriate time for you to wait before you knew that it was time to go on stage and perform again? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, she died, it'll be uh, nine years, September 4th of this year. And um, yeah, and she was performing in Provincetown at Town Hall on July 5th of 2014. And I also was doing a show down the street as Joan. I also performed as Barbara Streisand, Liza Minnelli in a show. And she performed at Town Hall. I went and saw her show. Tony Tripoli was her opening act and head writer who's a friend. I did some shows with him. But she was performing that July. I was there. The photo that you showed was taken July 5th, two months prior to her doc, you know, passing away. But my point is when she, right, that was at mm -hmm. uh, Tin Pen Alley in Provincetown, a meet and greet uh, on the lovely patio in the back of Tin Pen Alley, great restaurant, right across from Town Hall in the center of Provincetown. And um, I'll be there July so, 28th, by the way, for anyone who's interested. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, so she left after the, she did two shows that night, seven and 9.30. Uh, at 81 years old, God bless her. And um, when she left, I had to continue. I had a season to do. It was only July and I had August into Labor Day to perform. So I'd be, you know, on the street as you do, selling the show. And some people were just like, oh, Joan, because she was in a coma for a week. I hope you're all right. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. So, you know, you use your, I'll be fine, but I'm here today, right? We're in Provincetown, it's gorgeous. Then there are people that say, um, Joan, aren't you yet? You know, there are people that are, you know, aren't you done yet? Aren't you dead yet? And I'll be like, oh, grow up. No, I'm not. I'm, come see me at the, and you just sort of divert. But the point is um, I had to continue that whole time. And then when the night that she passed on that September 4th, you know, then they let her go. Um, I, we canceled the show. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do it. I wasn't right for that night. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, and, and then the next day I said, let's do it. And I bought, I had angel wings and I had these white angel wings. So I just would, you know, 
uh, bark and do what you do in Provincetown out right. front to have people come with wings on saying, I crossed over, but I'm in Provincetown because we're in a great place and I had to be here. Plus, the check is good. When the check is good, you show up. So there's always a yin and a yang, right, to these characters. If, for me, if I don't find the yin and a, and a yang, it's not all people think Joan was just like, you know, critical, critical, crit you know, everything was, I don't, I don't like your dress. No, there was always like, you know, but you're still fabulous. And aren't we lucky? You know, everything was that. And so I had to find that uh, in those moments of grief, especially the weeks after. And then, you know, I took a little time and then I worked with Tony Tripoli, who was her opening act. Right. He said, let's do something together. So he would do, not to go on and on, but he would do open the show and tell stories of Joan. Ooh. He worked with her, wonderful mm -hmm. stories, oh, yeah, just to, to heal with the audience, to know right. that this was a love fest. And he would say, Joan is gone, but tonight let's celebrate her. Then I would come on. And it was an honor to, you know, work with him and do it in that vein. And we worked five years together. Mm -hmm. And so now is now, we're nine years in and we, you know, grief is always there, right? Loss is always there, but mm -hmm. it sort of changes and it heals itself in a certain way. Things are a little bit better, but 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 also real quickly, Joan started doing Joan jokes about Edgar when he committed suicide. Yes. Literally, I think six months after, or maybe six weeks, I don't know, I six weeks or six months after he, she'd say, it was my fault. We were making love and I took the bag off my head. It was my fault. <laughs> you know, she, she would immediately, you know, immediately go there. So right. interesting. It, it's the it was the elephant in the room. It was it was something yeah. that people knew was there. And yeah. is she going to address it? Is she not going to address yeah. it? And I, I, I mean, just right. recently, uh, you know, with um, uh, you know Chris Rock, you know, going out right. and addressing. Right. Right. around the world yeah. yes. You know? yes and it took him a year to heal he didn't want to be a victim i watched that special yeah. on netflix he didn't want to be a victim and just go on oprah and cry look at he did poor me or be that sort of mm -hmm. oprah moment he mm -hmm. he gave himself a year to just then come back you know and he closed out that hour and nine minute netflix special doing nine minutes of that with Will Smith and he dropped the mic and he left and he owned it. It took him a year. He didn't do what everyone thought he was going to do and, and good for him. And that's how he, you know, handled that moment, you know? John, have you ever been in a situation where you, where something has had, uh, where something has happened in the world or something where you've had to make a decision? Do we go on tonight? Do we not go on? I mean, even in your private life, I mean, things happen, pa people pass on and, you know, do, you know, what, what, what do we do? Have you ever been in that position? Well, certainly in my, in my private life, I think all of us have come into that, have had that experience where something has happened. Somebody has passed, my grandmother had passed or my parents passed and I, and on the day my grandmother passed, um, I do remember I went on that evening. And, and part of that was because that's what she would have wanted. She knew not only the joy that the audience got, but the joy that I got and, and would have known that, um, that I needed that time with the audience to just celebrate I remember I was on stage uh, or in a piano bar on um, the night that Princess Di uh, was killed. And, uh, and I think much like Joe, uh, that was just something that was too much for the world to take in. And so we stopped the show. 
Um, we talked a little bit about it. We visited with, I visited with the audience members. People were checking, you know, phones, televisions were trying to find out. I think there are times where the grief is so strong that we just have to hold the grief mm -hmm. um, and then move on. And it's, it's a hard, it's a hard decision to make, but um, Joe's audience is needed to, needed to heal, needed to move on, needed to know that life was going to continue. Um, my grandmother would have, again, had that same feeling. Uh, but it, it's just that it's that hard balance. I think Princess Di was a little too large for the world. Um, and, uh, you know, each day is a brand new day, a brand new challenge. I do hope that the people who have shows tonight um, think about it and, and make the decision that's best for them and for their audience. Well, you know, it's very interesting that uh, Hello, Dolly! with Pearl Bailey was on Broadway when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And Pearl Bailey had to make the decision as to whether or not, because this was an all-African-American company, whether they would go on that night and do the show. And she felt the same thing. The audience needs to be healed. And mm -hmm. so she made a collective decision. Uh, she led that company. So mm -hmm. it was her sole decision that night whether they would go on or not. Uh, Joe, I want to address another issue, if you don't mind my bringing this up. Let's do and, it. Let's do it. Bring it, bring it, yes. bring it. Um, you know, it's, you know, and um, I just appeared uh, at uh, Crazy and Helen's in Washington, D.C. Um, on Sundays, they do uh, Drag Time Story Hour. Um, <laughs> I heard after the fact, uh, didn't know until after the fact, that the venue that I performed in received a bomb threat the day mm -hmm. that I performed there, um, wow. as well as oh the owner goodness. had received uh, a bomb threat uh, from the Proud Boys. Um, and this is getting mm. out of hand. Mm. Uh, and uh, the threats are really yeah. bad. Um, as uh, Judy and I addressed on our last show, uh, this is not really about drag. We both know that. It's about no. LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that this is becoming such a hotbed issue beyond all of that right now? And why do you think it's becoming such a hot well, topic? I know. I try to find the right, you know, it's a, it's a diversion of sorts. It's a diversion to pick on this so that we don't deal with the guns, that we don't deal with, you know, what about, you know, to be all honest, like what about, you know, the, the church and what's going on with, you know, mm -hmm. the children being abused in churches with men in dresses, you know, let's mm -hmm. talk about it. So now we're picking on the drag because it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's a, you know, we're trying to get the LGBTQ plus, but it's also a diversion from what's really going on. And we can uh, divert people and, and let people think that that's what it, the issue is mm -hmm. because nothing's being done obviously about the other things. So, um, it's, it's, you know, this is not what's, you know, killing children is taking them to a drag brunch. It's, it's the guns as today and all the other shootings has been 120, you know, shootings in this year alone, as you know. So it's, it's, um, it's a diversion and it's, it's, it's getting in people's heads to, you know, it, it, it's a civil war in, in our heads and people are trying to skew these things so that we don't deal with the right important issues of the the guns and that's what it is and it's power and it's it's needs to but i do have faith you know i mean you mentioned you smile at the dentist i'm one of those people i feel like 
I do feel like the pendulum will swing a little bit again. I feel like the young people, after we get rid of some of these, this older generation will come in, they're voting. They don't care if you're wh who you love. They they're going to come in. <laughs> they just don't care. They don't care. So they oh, that's Judy, in. I'm sorry. They don't care if you're purple. <laughs> so, so I have hope they're going to then lead, but my, my fear is the young kids, the eight, nine, ten, that are not learning the history of, you know, African Americans that are banning books. They're not going to learn history. Will it repeat itself? Then history will then repeat itself if we don't learn about it. So I worry a little bit more about them. Hopefully, their parents are doing the right thing by them. But that other you know, those other young people will come in, the older people will, you know, die off, whatever they're, you know, they're elected in these offices and these positions too long mm -hmm. because the world changes and they don't change. Mm -hmm. So, but to answer your question, it, it, we're diverting. I go in, I do my job, I, I work, I, I, you know, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. I try to be funny when I'm not feeling funny. You, you know what this is like, Richard, you go up, you're backstage, any of us that perform and you're like, uh, and as a comic, I'm not really funny. These things are happening all over the world. How am I supposed to do this? And, and I look up and I say, Joan, you know, let's do this together. Help me. And mm -hmm. once I step into that space, it's there, you know, it's there. And I'm just mm -hmm. in a dream world. That's what we all do, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's dream. And we take people, take people uh, on this journey. And as Joan was quoted as saying, you know, she quotes Winston Churchill, you know, if you can make one person laugh, it's like taking them on a little vacation, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what she would do. And that's my job. But 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 anyway, I'm going off a little bit, but um, it's we're diverting to the real issues. But um, I'm so, Joan, when I think of you and I think I've quoted this many times before, um, Carol Channing said there are entertainers and there are performers um, as CEO is a performer. It's interested in only one thing, um, getting a fish. It will balance a ball on its uh, nose. It will flap its fins only to get that fish. Uh, an entertainer is interested in the audience. It gets out there. It does what it needs to do to make sure that the audience is having a great time. And that's you. I mean, from the moment that you hit the stage, you are solely focused on making that audience have a great time. Same thing with you, Joe. Um, that's what both of you were about. John, what is the most controversial thing? I can't imagine you dealing with controversy, but what is the most controversial thing that you've ever had to encounter in this business and what got you through it? Well, you know, I think the most controversial thing that is happening right now is that the diversity of the gay community is expanding. And now we, now we have new, new communities and a new generation of youth and some adults who now identify non-binary, um, are trans and are, em they're embracing their bodies, they're embracing their identities. Mm -hmm. um, and here, even here in Boston, it frightens an awful lot of people. And I just know that as it comes up and it does come up Frequently, you, I don't hear it on stage because I perform for communities that are all embracing. But I am on the street. I am working uh, perhaps with theater companies or other companies in conjunction with my business. And it just comes up. And I think that we, I, I just need to be strong. I need to remember. I need to remind 
um, and I need to embrace. Uh, and and that's, that's what gets me through because if I don't, I live in the fear that they're creating. Right. And then I am paralyzed with fear. So that little step forward just can give me the strength to just keep going on, just keep finding the audiences, just keep welcoming the audiences. Um, and I do it not only for all of the members of my community and all the communities, but I do it for me because I can't let these people let me live in fear. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. What, what I'm curious, you know, um, Joe and Richard, you know, you can weigh in on this too. Why the decision to perform in drag? You're a mm -hmm. performer. Okay. You're a performer. You're a comedian. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's just to kind of shorten it. I was a dancer. I started as a dancer when I was in my teens. I did a lot of theater, musical theater, West Side Story, international tour. I'm a tap dancer. I was a dancer, 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 dancer. And living in New York, they. Uh, but I would, um, uh, with these casts, I would be in the hotel rooms and they would say, Joe, do Barbara, grab a hairbrush and just lip sync. And I just had a knack of just, you know, I'm doing Barbara or Liza. And they go, oh my God, you're so good. Like, you do this. So it was all for fun as I was dancing and doing these theatrical shows. Because I approached my work now very theatrical because that's my background. So then an evening at La Cage came to New York and at the Blue Angel Supper Club on 44th Street. And I went into audition. I thought, maybe I have something. I didn't know how to do hair, makeup. I didn't have a costume. I just went in. In fact, uh, and Mandy Dejeuner, who's still a friend, I had dinner with her two nights ago. She lives here in uh, Hollywood, Florida. I'm in Wilton, Manners, Florida. And, um, and 30 years ago this year is when I went in, I auditioned. She was, they were like, you don't have the look, the makeup, but come back, work on it. You're really good. And I went back and they helped me. They chose seven cast members. I was one of seven. We did two characters each. I did Barbara and Liza. They said, you have it as an actor, you do it, but we have to work on the look and I learned like within four weeks, you know, Richard, within four weeks and we were on the Geraldo Rivera show. I'm like, it yes. was so much, but I crossed over because it was just something I did for fun. And I got a lot of support from dancers and friends in theater. And then this audition came up, got the show, ended up doing uh, touring companies with an evening at La Cage in Aruba. I lived there a year and a half, St. Martin for a month. And um, I just started doing that. And then I now I create my own shows. Joan came later. I was a lip sync app for many years. Joan came about 18, 20 years ago. And um, I said, I can use my, I could do comedy. I never thought I could do comedy. I don't even, you know, stand up. I don't even, I never really went to stand up clubs. I, mean, I find it a little, you know, lackluster. Oh, they tell jokes. I was like, but Joan's energy, because she's New York and she's exciting and she's more of an observational comic. Ah. You know, it's not knock knock joke comedy. I'm not, it just spoke to me and her New York sensibility, survivor, survivor of the business, survivor of new of suicide, like we're talking tonight. Just like you like John said, just just surviving, not living in fear, going for it. And so that energy spoke to me. And again, if I don't get the yin and yang and you know, so it, it just she's in there, you know, and and the drag thing, it just that's how it happened. And I'm finding, you know, some people recently said, you know. You're kind of fun. You're funny. I don't think Joe is that funny, but people think I'm funny. I'm energetic. But they're like, why don't you try doing it without the, but you know what? As a business, 
you know, I'm not one male comic. There's a lot of male comedians. There's a lot of female. This is specialized. And Joan, and it's specialized. And, and no one's really doing what I do. So it's, you know, and I'm getting booked constantly. So it's still, it's good. It's good to be specialized now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where I'm at and how that began. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Richard, have a I love it. Well, for me, um, I could do Carol's voice. I mean, I got up and sang there, uh, and I talk about this in my show now, but I got up and I sang at a piano bar. Um, mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I ended up getting cast in a show as mm -hmm. Carol. And little by little, um, when Carol came back to Broadway to do her last revival of Hello, Dolly, uh, a friend called me up and said, if you do not do a show about Carol Channing, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And uh, I said, well, what if people don't like it? And he said, well, you'll find out fast enough. So I started, <laughs> I started putting a show together. Um, and, you know, as it, just like a miracle, before <laughs> I opened the show, I did the show for Carol Channing. She loved it. She endorsed it. She's talking about the show. Um, I opened the show and like something out of a movie, a woman in the audience one night comes up to me and says, would you like to perform in Atlantic City? And I'm headlining six months later <laughs> at everybody, Trump's Taj Mahal. And oh, I'm God. Like, ah. <laughs> I think they knocked it down. Did they knock that down no, yet? What? No, it's knocked down. It's knocked down. I did two long-running shows at Trump's Taj Mahal. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Carol Channing was one of my, not, she was my biggest supporter. We appeared together on stage. She was there for me. Um, it was just great. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, was at my opening night in Atlantic City. I've got photographs of me with him. I mean, he was, uh, it was different. I, I mean, he was, a, he, he was not the, he was not uh, the crude person that, that you see him now. Um, crazy. To the extent that you see him now. Um, he was polite, you know, and Ivana was there with him. That, well, that was when he was married to her. Uh, but, you know, that's how that whole career uh, began for me. And it was just like, as Joe said, it like snowballed. Um, and that was the career that I had that came out of that. And every time that I felt like I'm going to do something else, I would be pulled back in, you know, to do more of this. And mm -hmm. John O'Neill, um, uh, John, John, was it the first Cabaret Fest that you booked me as the headliner? It actually was 2000, I think. Yes, the very first I was one. the headliner in Provincetown, thanks to John and Valerie Sneed. Mm -hmm. Fabulous, fabulous. And Where in Provincetown? Where did you do that? Where? Crown and Anchor. Crown and Anchor. Mm -hmm. oh. You know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of of the show uh, that I at one time had a, had a Danny Kay show that I that I took around. I really find it interesting that the three of us um, were each drawn to people, to, uh, three very caring, loving, giving personalities, mm. and and were able to channel our empathy, our love, to Absolutely. express that to the audience and bring that alive. And I think that that's a gift that each of us have that have enabled yeah. us 
to to create our niches um, and continue to make people laugh, love, cry, embrace. I want to tell a story about uh, Joan Rivers because um, her uh, her last book had just come out. She was doing. I was doing a lot of interviews at Barnes uh, Barnes and Noble, so I was invited uh, as a guest uh, for her last book signing at Barnes and Noble. And a friend of mine, uh, Jed Ryan, uh, stood up and said, I understand that you are performing same-sex marriages. And she said, yes, do you know someone who wants to get married? And he said, yes. And he gets on his knee and he proposes to his partner. And uh, she says, come up here, let me marry you. And she performs the marriage right there. And then after the marriage, she says, you know, this is not legitimate because you don't have a marriage license. But see my assistant, and I'd like you to get a marriage license, and we'll do a real wedding at my place when you're ready. And a week later, they got married at her apartment in New York, and it was covered by Entertainment Tonight, everything. That's who Joan Rivers was. One night, um, another friend of mine, we were having dinner uh, at Joe Allen's, and he said, I used to live in her building, but she's not going to remember me. And this was when she was a struggling artist living in Greenwich mm-hmm. Village. And I said, you should go over and introduce yourself. And he said, she's not going to remember me. And I said, just go over and say hello. She saw him and she screamed, oh, my God, Ray Jessel at the top of her lungs. And she came over, threw her arms around him. And yeah. he was like a young fan excited to see him. Right. right. It was just, I mean, to see that happen was just so, he was so moved that mm-hmm. she remembered him after all these years. Mm-hmm. He, you know, whatever people, this image that people had of Joan Rivers. Right. He was the real right. deal. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I've encountered her multiple times. I did a, a red carpet. I do a lot of red carpet events. Who are you wearing even to this day? You see the carpet. I mean, it's just, but, um, and I did an event in, in Houston, Texas, and I did a red carpet for a big fundraiser. And the agent said, all right, Joan's going to do the award ceremony. I'm like, is Joan here? This was back in 06. They're like, yeah, she's here. They kept us separate. So we come in, all of a sudden, they, I, they take me, take her, we go backstage. Uh, so I met her for the first time backstage and the bit that we did was they said, you saw her on the red carpet, which was me. Let's welcome her back. Please welcome Joan Rivers. And then she says to me, that's you go. So I go on stage and I'm like, and she comes up from behind, get off my stage, bitch. That's Joe Posey. He makes a lot of money doing me. And then, and then went off stage and then she did her bit. It was like a 45 minute presentation. Um, it was funny because they, she does a lot of things about Botox and this was a very, Hoity twenty, no one wanted to laugh. She gets off stage, she goes, This was worth every penny. Let's get out of here. So then we're going through the back to her dressing room. She almost slips because it's through the kitchen, as you know, a lot of these things. And she says, I'll sue. And I looked at her, I said, We'll sue twice. <laughs> I think that solidified the deal. She, she That was it. Yeah. <laughs> she knew that I had that same ilk, like John, you were saying, compassion, whatever it is, there was a sensibility. And she says, Come in my dressing room. She gave me all the leftover food. What did they give you in your dressing room? I go, I got nothing. Take it, take it. And if you ever want to see me, call Judy Katz 
and she'll get you tickets. Yes. And, so this, and up until the end, I would go, but I would always give, get her a Starbucks gift card because she didn't like those Cybo Express coffee places in the airports. She liked Starbucks. So I would give her a, a little gift card and give it backstage. And she would, um, and in Boston, actually, John, at uh, the Berkeley Sc uh, School of Music, she did mm -hmm. her show there. And I left it at the stage door. And during the announcement, no photographs, no flash photography, whatever, whatever. And I kid you not, I'm just, it was very sweet. She's um, the gentleman, uh, Graham, her assistant, when he made this announcement said, and will Joe Pozo please come backstage after tonight's performance? So again, wanted ah. to make sure oh. that I went back so she could thank me and she met right. my husband, Frank. Um, and uh, and she, I go, well, next, last time I saw you gave me all this food. She goes, let's keep the tradition going, come on. And she made a bag for me. She gave me more food. And it was just, and I, and I said to her, I don't want to go on and on, but I did say to her, I do you in my act and I always do you respectfully. I think you know this, Richard, you know, it's important to, to do that. I said, I always do you respectfully. I want you to know. She says to me, you can do me disrespectfully. Carol did the same thing. I always said, I will never cross the line. And Carol says, but if you do, it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, so. Carol and I appeared together at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. And after the show, uh, and Carol, God bless her, she insisted that I be in every picture with her. And so after right. the show, this guy was there and uh, uh, he, he was an African-American guy, but he had a blonde wig on. He had a blazer, the pleated skirt. Mm -hmm. And Carol leaned over and said, Richard, look at that guy. He's trying to do us. <laughs> funny, 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 you know, funny. Great. And it's great to get that kind of respect from that. Yeah. Because, John, same thing. You, I mean, and let's face it, and John, you know this to be true. Uh, a lot's been said behind the scenes about Danny Kay over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got friends watching who worked with Danny Kay who could tell mm -hmm. you stories that would make mm -hmm. your hair stand on end. Mm -hmm. um, but we, you treated him with respect and dignity as, as he deserved on stage. Well, and I think that's important because we, I think we have to recognize sort of what our audience wants too, because there are people who are going to go out and they're going to dish and they're going to be nasty and they're going to be evil. Uh, but when people go to see Joan, when they go to see Carol or when they, when they would go to see my Danny Kay show, there are certain things there are certain rhythms there are certain jokes that they that they want to hear Absolutely. and if there if there is something in that closet uh, forgive the pun uh. close it before you get out on that stage so that all you have is whoever you're whoever you're sending and right. the audience on stage right absolutely absolutely well joe i i have a question for you because Joan is such a controversial figure um, and the envelope can easily be pushed with her. Um, has there ever been an instance with you where you have gone there and the audience, I mean, audiences today are very different from audiences were even mm -hmm. when she was around. Right, um, right, 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 right. Do you feel? I mean, are you? Do you feel that you're walking around sometimes on eggshells with today's audiences? Is it you know it's you? You know it's interesting. No, because 
They know they're coming to see Joan. I also feel like I have like license to kill kind of in this world of being politically correct because young comedians have it very difficult to start out. And what can I say? They, you get slapped. I mean, you see what happens even on the Oscars. You know, it's very difficult. But with Joan, they know they know they're coming and that she can cover, talk about everybody. So I'm not afraid because Joan is the armor of bravery and I can do that. So it's so freeing for me doing this character. If I was, a, again, a, a young comic or, you know, starting out, it, it's a very different animal, like you said, than when she was alive. It would be very difficult. But I'm fine. I, you know, I get out there and you know, the audiences are ready to laugh and I go there, I push it. Now, granted, I am not her, right? I'm doing her. So, you know, and when you were Carol, you're, you know, we were all impersonating. So you're not the person to get away with it. I'm mm -hmm. impersonating her. So there's a little bit of, a, a little bit of thing there, a little space, but um, they're ready to have fun. They know they want it. And they come back after and say, mm -hmm. I remember those when she did that, or I never saw her live. I feel like I saw her live tonight. Thank you. And I talk mm -hmm. about the, you know, the vaginas. I talk about the you know, <laughs> gay audiences are the best audiences in the world. They laugh at anything. They're so stupid. Best audience. So it's kind of like you're making fun, but you're not really, you know, talk about psychology. You know, it's a psychology of sorts. It's like, you know, this is, well, you know, I could probably say this. I don't know. There's a joke I'll say when we're talking about race and stuff. You want to address these things. I'll say, mm -hmm. you know, I don't care. I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, or green. As long as you could do my hair, that's what counts. <laughs> so it, it goes back to her shallowness. It goes back to her. You know, it goes mm -hmm. back to just... And then people laugh and they're like, why am I laughing? And I'm very good with the audience doing improv with, you know, who are you in the front? You know, you know and then... The, but I have them laughing and I'm making fun of them. Because I'm just mm -hmm. going, look at your wearing, my guy. And I'll go back. Why are you wearing that? And you're in the front row. And they just laugh because there's a way to do these things with the human, with human, with people. And Joan had that, like we said earlier, there's a way in which to, with compassion and empathy and understanding the human condition, the psychology of it. I mean, you know, Dr. Judy, I mean, you, you know, that's what you, it's, it's all of that, especially when you're impersonating somebody. You have mm -hmm. to have that sort of way or else, you know, it can be very flat and it can, you, people, you'll lose the audience, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, so. Do you think you can get away with saying things you couldn't get away with if you were performing as Joe? Um, I don't think I could say certain things. I really don't in this climate. I don't know until I do it, but I don't know. I mean, there's 9-11 jokes that I, sometimes I go, should I do it? It's been a while, but she did 9-11 jokes like, weeks or maybe yeah after but um she got in trouble she, she got and in she trouble. Would, you know yes and she, uh, would she actually say, uh she actually got uh banned uh from atlantic city for a 9-11 joke you're right uh, right mm -hmm. after uh and i think if i remember correctly i think it was at uh, the taj mahal that she got banned uh Interesting. seriously Interesting. Uh, for making a 9-11 joke uh about two weeks after 9-11 she did it very, very soon. She would always believe, and I, I know this. And from, uh, it, it was a joke about the widows and collecting money. Oh. I, I, and I do that joke. I know what that is. They each got $5 million. I'm sure out of all of them, they're not, there are five that are not that unhappy. And so it's more observational. It's not, it's just like about money. It's really not, but it was too soon. But, yeah. um, but she would often say, uh, if, 
you got to push the audience away and bring them back. You can't keep the audience with comedy, especially close and, and cuddle and hug them. You got to make them think and push them away so that mm -hmm. it gets like rattled. You got to rattle them, especially with mm -hmm. her, maybe with all comics, but she would often say, you got to push them away so that you could then hug them again. So I, I do that. But mm -hmm. just when the, the show is almost over, like I have, you know, I do a 75 minute, no intermission show. I do a, cabaret length show and just when I got like you know seven minutes left and I'm really on the roll I, I could end it I could end it they're laughing and I go you know what I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna say something a little edgy I might lose them but Joan said if you don't push them away so then I'll go then I'll do something like a 9-11 when I don't have to but it's I'm like she's like mm -hmm. just do it or do this or just say it and then but then I'll get them back so it's a it's a pull, it's a game it's a game mm -hmm. and she'll always mm -hmm. say you're the lion tamer as a comedian as a stand up you've got to tame that audience you are in control and it's a fight and it goes mm -hmm. along with again who she was I am gonna fight and I'm gonna win and I don't mm -hmm. care what you know so it's that spirit uh, I, I you know it's 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 very interesting and it's really very fulfilling I love I love it I love it. <laughs> well, speaking of which, John, I want to ask you, what was it about or what is it about this business that originally attracted you and what and over the course of your career and you've been on both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it about the business that still uh, you that still resonates so strongly with you? And what is it that's changed in the business that you really miss? Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, it's it's funny uh, because I'm I'm the performer who never intended to be a performer. Huh. I happen to I happen to become a performer because I was out of work, and I happened to show up at a piano bar one night, and the entertainer was not there, and I'm not quite sure why I said. I can do this, and it's great, do it. And I sat down, it was at the old Napoleon room. Oh, I love that, yes, I remember. 1990, and then, you know, much like the magic that you talked about, all of a sudden, I was headlining the room. And, and so I learned, as each of us did, the craft while in the fire. And, and you know, what I miss, I think right now about that, and and I and I meet a lot of uh, great season talent. I meet a lot of new talent. Um, I I miss the people who want to do the work that 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 Joe had talked about. That I don't know if it's um, if it's social media that everybody, everybody can be a star at home and everybody can produce and everybody can do things. Uh, but uh, even, uh, I just find even on the simplest level, um, we, we no longer see people going to open mics and learning their music. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, mm. right there, they're learning. True. True. And the, the beauty of live theater, and we've, we've all done live theater, is the risk. And as you're learning, and as you're jumping in the fire, 
you're taking a risk. You're going to go up. You're going to forget this. You're going to forget that. But more importantly, you have no idea what that body of work is that you're doing. And I think that that's what I mean most of all, that it's the instant gratification that many people want to have on the stage and not necessarily look at the work. Now, mind you, I do want to say that there are, we have so many great teachers and they come into Boston um, and uh, many people want to work with all of the Broadway stars. Mm -hmm. And yet, if there isn't a Broadway star that's going to be giving that information, then, then there's nothing for them to learn. And the reality is it's the fire that forged every single one of us. And I think I miss seeing people make that risk mm. to go out, be brave, conquer, be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. make That's great. Right. You know, there's a, there's a critic in New York who actually, in his reviews now, cabaret shows, he gives uh, uh, extra points if they are not using a music stand with their music on the music stand because so many performers are now doing wow. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, will, I will say wow. that this weekend, on Thursday night, I saw Patti Lapone, who was unbelievable. Uh, and then on uh, Saturday night, I went to see Cheetah Rivera at 90 years young, not uh, yeah. at the ballpark, wow. no music sheets, no music stand, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. talked about what got her interested in getting into this business. And believe it or not, and this blew me, I, I jumped out of my seat almost. It was seeing Carol Channing at a young age. At, in oh, yes. Yes. Wow. Yes, that's, that's amazing. Not, and that's in oh her new God. book that's coming out. Uh, Joe, wow. same question. Uh, what was the question? Wait, 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 no. What was it that <laughs> originally pulled you into the business? And what is it that you uh, miss about that that was in place when you first? Well, Again, I started as a dancer and I loved, you know, my, my mom was a dance teacher. It was in our family, this musical family. And I and I just uh, loved dancing, I, I, you know. And so I, I just knew that I wanted to do that. And uh, it started to get work in New York right out of high school, did a lot of shows, theater, went to, and I just loved it. Um, and then, like I said earlier, how this drag sort of career started. But I guess I missed similarly the work that doesn't, that should go into it. I mean, you know, we, we have RuPaul now, right? And, you know, and that's a, like we're saying like 15 minutes, you know, they get famous right away. They don't really, they, you know, they're, they're, they get on there and all of a sudden they're known and they demand all this money when they appear around the country. And, you know, I mean, John, you know, uh, Club Cafe where you, you do things in which it's so ironic we're in this situation because my husband oh, wow. Frank owns Club Cafe. It's the 40th year of Club Cafe, a little plug. Clubcafe.com. Mm -hmm. John, you booked the room there, Napoleon Room. It's just so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the RuPaul girls come through there and nothing against them, but they, uh, I don't even really watch the show to be honest, because they're so similar. There's not, no one stands out separate there. They need to be of a certain mold in order to win, in order to get so far. I mean, there are certain standouts and I don't want to, you know, Bianca Del Rio's funny. There are certain that have come through, but it just, seems to be it's a platform right i love that there's a platform there we need it yes. more than ever yes. mainstream you know like we're being attacked to do what we do but but they're watching mm -hmm. people are watching drew mm -hmm. paul that's what's so 
weird about it. Children yeah. are watching, women are watching, some men love it secretly, and yet we're being attacked and they love yeah. the show. How many uh, Emmys so has RuPaul won? A lot of men are watching it not secretly. Right, right. Exactly. You know, and, and, and so what, what is that? So it, it's clearly acceptable, but not to those that want to divert us from the attention mm -hmm. of the real stuff, the real issues at hand, right? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, so I guess I miss, I love the work. I love to be, Joan was always over-prepared. She knew what she was doing. And I, like John, I, I love to be ready to go. It's part of my old school way, being a theater person, be prepared you know, learn the material. I do 75 minutes. I don't have anything. Joan would have the cue cards out front, you know, and she yeah. was, you know, but she would have them and read them, but she would make a joke. Who do they, who do, who do they think I'm a hundred? And she, but, but yet they were there. They were there. Mm -hmm. I have my little backstage and I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. And like Joan would say, it's like a deck of cards. You just got to look at them mm -hmm. and then just throw them in the air wherever they stick. Mm -hmm. But she had them. And some people say, why don't you put cue cards down? And so it replicates what she did. But then I'm like, well, then certain stages, as you know, are low to the ground. I don't want people reading. Oh, he's going to do that joke. He's going to do that joke. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not her. You know, you know, it's like, so I don't do it. But, um, but I miss the work. I miss the, the blood, sweat, and tears of the business. And, and that there's passion for that. It's passion, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know and, and yet, oh, I can be famous. I can make money. I can, oh, whatever. And there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of young mm -hmm. talent in schools that are doing shows. I see high school production. I'm like, oh, the voices and the talent. And you probably know, John, there's so much talent, but they're like, ah, maybe I'll do it. Or maybe I'll, I don't know. They're just, they're, you know, we're just because of social media. I don't know. They don't know what they want. I knew what I wanted. It was that. And that was it. I didn't have all these other options. You know, maybe there's too much fast, you know, they don't know what's going <laughs> to, they want fame. I don't know. So I, I like the old school approach. <laughs> I do too. And, and you know, I do want to say one thing that, um, and I don't watch RuPaul either. So I'm, I'm always at a loss when people are talking about these people, or even if they're coming into the club, and I'm just like, well, who is that? Like, oh. right. uh, I, I think, I think the big thought I want to throw out to RuPaul is that she is on the air, and there yes. are children who see themselves up there. Absolutely. Um, when I was a child, there was nobody for me to see. Um, and so that's, that is just a gift. It is a gift. And, um, and so I'm very thankful that RuPaul Drag Race and all those stars come and although I don't know them, um, I do right. applaud, although I have no idea who they are, but, uh, but I do applaud that, uh, that RuPaul has given drag a platform of legitimacy. Um, and that backstage, it isn't just the magic that we see when you go out on stage, for instance, as um, as Joan, but we get to see them. And I guess it's a little catty. It's a little, uh, you know, it's a little strange. Yeah, but you get to see their humanity. You get to see their tears. You get to see their fears. They, you get to see their bitchiness. But nonetheless, these uh, children... Um, now have people that they can see. Um, and I think that that's such a gift that, that, that the show that I don't watch gives us. Right. Absolutely. We need that. We need that. It's, it's important. He did, he did good with that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give each of you, we've reached the end of our show, actually. And I know that, Judy, I know that you've got another appointment to get to. So rather than having you have the final word today, I'm going to have the final word. And I'm going to, give you, I'm going to let you go first so that you we don't run over for you. Um, I will let you speak. And then I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your final word today, uh, Joe and John. Thank you for being here. It could be about anything that we spoke about today that you want to build upon, anything we didn't speak about that you wish we had, or just any final me- uh, message that you want to leave everyone with today. And then I will leave everyone with uh, my final message for today. And Judy, uh, we will be back here uh, in two weeks. And I'm so excited. We have a great guest lined <laughs> up, and you've uh, sent me one of them, and I cannot, Bryce, and I cannot wait. So, yeah. uh, yes, so That's Judy, it's yours. All right. Well, you know, I, th- I think that what we've been talking about today, right, is is about accepting the, the gifts that we have, right, and making the most of those gifts and inhabiting uh, whatever persona seem, seems the best vehicle to deliver our own messages to, to others right? because we're mm-hmm. all about, you know, sharing, sharing who we are, aspects of the self, but also mm-hmm. the aspects of the performers that, you know, everybody here inhabits. So it's, and find, finding that common ground, right. Between them and us, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. finding common ground with everybody that you come mm-hmm. in contact with and treating other people with, with love and respect. I think mm-hmm. that that's really uh, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I love you, Judy. Love you too. Judy. Pleasure to meet you, Judy. Take care. Great to meet you, Judy. And I'm going to turn it over to you, John. Well, um, this has just been a wonderful hour. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, this community that we have, this theater community that we have, this gay community we have, this drag community we have. I am so fortunate to be a member of all of them. And as I have grown older and I have left the stage, it has just continues to be my privilege to be able to present new and old talent uh, to audiences uh, here in Boston. And at the same time, introducing audiences to something they may never have seen before. Um, many people have not been in a gay club before. They've come in to see this show. Um, and, and they come in, they see that it's just a microcosm. It's just a little snapshot of a world that is actually their world. They're just not really aware that that's it. And so I just love the fact that I can continue to bring all these people together with all the marvelous talents that I have through the great uh, club that I work for, Club Cafe, um, which was created by Joe's husband 40 years ago. Yeah. It's good to see yeah. you. Good to see Bye. you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Good to see you, John. And Joe, it's yours. Look, it's just us. It's Carol and Joan. <laughs> we could do a show. We're both I know, right here. I'll just button one more button. We look at <laughs> Oh, thank you for thinking of me, having me here. I, I, I suppose it's National Joe Day. That's National how Joe Day. Well, I have to, I'll explain. National Joe mm-hmm. Day was what originally we were going to be celebrating today. Uh, National Joe, uh, a cup of Joe. Coffee uh, <laughs> Joe's tonight. Uh, <laughs> husband and I are having for dinner tonight. Uh, oh, nice. And uh, Famous Joe's, uh, uh, Joe Bean's Cafe, uh, 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 Cabaret. Um, 
your yeah. friend Joe that we were hoping to have on the show, and uh, that's why right. the guest was listed there. Um, you know, uh, Joe Biden, God bless him. He's got a lot yes. of great. Um, yes. So all, if you know any Joes out there, we wanted to have him on the show today. Um, we will not have a show tomorrow, uh, but I will be back on Wednesday uh, with a celebration of the Partridge family. So yes, it's going to be wow. fun. So, wow. uh, well, take it away. So, so just a pleasure. Um, uh, you know, again, kindness, as Dr. Judy Bloom said. You know, just it's easier to be kind than than unkind, right? In getting through the day that way, or easier to tell the truth than to lie. I mean, it's just easier. Like, why do we put these little, op not little, why do we put obstacles in front of us? Just, just smile, you know, be nice to someone mm -hmm. because it'll come back and you'll feel better. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just that simple. Um, my takeaway of COVID was, you know, we couldn't see each other for two, three years, what have you. And, um, you know, I, I thought when I get back into the world, I'm not that I never reached across the aisle, but um, when I'm in an elevator, I might be a little quiet and not talk to anyone. You know, I'm a performer. I save it for stage. I might, you know, I'm not big on small talk. I just don't, I feel a little shy. I'm kind of shy that way. I guess that's the way to put it. I, but also just, but now I'm in an elevator and I think, let's talk to them. We couldn't do this. Now we can do this. So how are you doing? You having a good day? And again, that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. That, have to, that has to be a takeaway for what we went through. So I choose that. I choose that. I'm grateful for the work that I have. I'm, I'm working. I'm all over as Joan doing different shows. I put together a show with Seth Sykes that is exciting called Treatments. Oh, I love Seth. Say hello he's, for me. He's such a talent. Um, and I'm doing Joan, making people laugh. And um, and I also was given... Um, and and I'll, drop I'll, my I'll, name everywhere in Palm Springs. I, I will. In the Purple Room. I, okay. Okay. I'll talk to Michael Holmes. He's amazing. I love you know, Michael. Um, so on a final, final, because we talked about a lot of the passion of what we do and all the other things, but, you know, Joan had a jewelry line, QVC, and mm -hmm. she, lo you know, as you know, the jewelry and, um, and her favorite uh, uh, piece was the B pin. She loved the B pin uh, because uh, it should not fly because it has a fat round body and little, you know, transparent wings. It should not anatomically, it isn't correct to fly. Mm -hmm. And it does. And I talk about this a little bit in the show. Um, I come out of it a little bit. I do Joan and then I go, I'm really Joe Posey's Joan. And I want to tell this story. Um, and I tell the story that about the bee and that we should all just get up and fly and do it and defy all odds like the bee. You know, that's what Joan's messaging was. And when she passed, you know, Tony Tripoli, God bless him, who's a brilliant comedian and a yes. dear friend, gave me this bee pin, oh. which was Joan. And she actually gave me three. This is the largest of the three. And it was her pin. And he jumped through hoops to get it to me. And he gave it to me backstage uh, uh, in one of our shows. And, it, and I wear it on stage. So I took it off my costume. To, I wasn't going to wear it. I just wanted to, in this moment, show you that this was hers. And I, so I wear it on stage and I do then tell the story. This was Jones and, that's um, and that's the message that she liked. And, and I, and, and, it, and that's the message that came through for me during these COVID years, like get up, fly, talk to, look around, look around um, and open yourself up. So um, it's very important and we will be better for it, right? We, we will live better lives. You know, if you think of the word disease, uh, disease is dis-ease. That's right. If you break it apart, it's you're 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 at, you're not at ease. So you're at dis-ease. So 
be at ease, be open. We're all going through this together. We're divided, but do the best we can to come together. And I'm grateful I can do it through my work and, um, and, and talk to someone in the elevator. You know, it's not that difficult. Richard, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know you. Give Frank a big hug and a kiss for me. I certainly will. Yeah. And your yeah, husband, no. too. And you it's take care time. of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. thank you. thank you. I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, like I said, I, when uh, at one o'clock today, uh, I stopped uh, and turned on the TV uh, just to see what the news was. And uh when I saw that there was yet another school shooting and I saw that it was an elementary school and that three, uh, I'm tearing up, uh, that three children had been shot, uh, it really got to me. Um, every day um, I go for a morning walk and as I'm taking my morning walk around uh, the square here where I live, I see all these kids waiting to get on the school bus and uh, I say a little prayer for each of them that they have a great day and that they're not bullied in school and that they are loved and uh, that they send out love as well and that they're safe. Uh, I'm 62 years young and I am grateful. I'm grateful that I went to school at a time where I didn't have to worry about whether or not the kid sitting next to me had a gun in his backpack or whether somebody was going to come through that door and was going to cut my life short. Uh, these are the things that we have to worry about on a daily basis. I was talking to my dear friend, uh, Maria Otavia today, and I said, and this is my experiment for everybody. Turn on your TV, start at the first channel, and channel surf through all your channels, and count the number of images that you see that are violent. And while I was on the phone today with her, we counted 25 violent images, and this was at 4 p.m. this afternoon. This is when kids are at home. This is when kids are watching television. They're home from school and everything, unsupervised, most of them, if they do turn their TVs on. They've got their phones, they've got their devices, and it's violent image after violent image after violent image, and no one is speaking up about it. It's okay that those images are being uh, you know, constantly bombarded at them. Show a man in a gown, whether it be uh, sexual or non-sexual, that's not the issue, and the world is screaming out. Uh, I saw in the news tonight that there were four Congress people uh, that have, um, rather than wearing the American flag on their lapel, they have an AR uh, rifle as their lapel pin. Um, the NRA, the Second Amendment, is not about uh, the uh, is not about uh, the Second Amendment is not about uh, your uh, right to bear arms anymore. It's about commerce. It's about making money. Every time there's a gun shooting. Uh, gun sales go up in this country. They could care less about your rights or my rights, my rights to walk around in this square where I live uh, peacefully uh, without getting shot. They could care less. It's not about rights anymore. It's about their rights to make money at this. 
and it's awful. We all should have a right to live our lives peacefully in this country without worrying about our children being shot. And my heart is broken uh, for these children uh, in Nashville, Tennessee tonight. And this person that walked into a school today with two AR-15s and a handgun uh, and took the lives of six people that I'm aware of as of this uh, live broadcast right now. Uh, it wasn't just the lives of six people that she ended. Uh, she's destroyed the lives of so many people. Uh, those kids who saw their best friends gunned down uh, will be affected for the rest of their lives. Uh, my sister-in-law was murdered. Um, I know what it's like. That never leaves you. Um, I end my shows by telling everyone to go out and make a phone call to someone that you've never spoken to in a long time and let them know how much they mean in your lives. I've done this at the end of almost 700 shows. I don't know how many of you have actually done that. I hope that it's not just lip service on my end and that you're actually listening to me and that you're actually doing it because it means a lot to me that people actually do it. Uh, we've got to take care of each other. It's got to stop. I love you all. I thank you for being here, either virtually or when you can be in person. But really take the time to let those people know that you love them. And please speak out against this violence. It's got to stop. And that's my message for today. Love you. Goodbye.